Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we are continuing our sail through the second season of SpongeBob SquarePants. Here we are, everybody. We have made it to the finish line of 2020, looking towards 2021. Now, there are people out there who are right that it's kind of silly to kind of think that just because the year is new, uh, all of a sudden your life is going to be different. But, you know, that's a little bit of what optimism is about, is that it gives you a fresh outlook on the day. You can you can wake up on January 1st, 2021, and it can feel fresh for you, and, and you can get yourself in a, in a nice, positive, optimistic mental state. So, you know, for, for those of you out there who just kind of take it as just another day. You don't even care about waking up at midnight. You go to bed, you go to work the next day. I get you. But you know, this has just been a crazy year from beginning to end. So I I don't know about all of you guys, but I am excited to wake up on January 1st, 2021 and, uh, and put this year behind us. Uh, In terms of the negatives, there has been absolutely uh, an abundance amount of negatives this year. But even with the amount of negative experiences and negative things that have, may have happened to you in 2020, you always have to be optimistic and, and look at the positives and appreciate the positives when they present themselves. Uh, because life life is just too short to just dwell on all the negatives in your life. Be grateful for the friends you have, for the job you may still have, especially after this year, for the the family you have, for the people in your life that care, uh, and and take that and move that forward with you into the new year, and and hopefully things work out for all of us in 2021. Uh, I know that that many things are going to be expanding on my end in 2021 because this was a big year for the podcast. It was, I, I think, pretty much the first year in which I, I released an episode once every week. I wasn't really dragging on the podcast as I did in the beginning because I was so worried about uh, making it sound as professional and perfect as possible and just going, ah, forget it. Put whatever you have out there in the world and you'll get better over time. Uh, before we get into this week in Nickelodeon, I do want to address a loss that we felt this week. Uh, for those of you who have listened to the podcast, I once in a while talk about other things I'm into other than Nickelodeon and SpongeBob and animation and whatnot. One of my loves is professional wrestling. And we lost not only a fantastic wrestler this week, but from all accounts, an absolutely grade A human being. Uh, John Huber, better known as uh, Brody Lee, if you were an AEW fan or if you watched uh, any indie wrestling, but also known as Luke Harper for his time that he spent in WWE. Uh, He unfortunately passed away at the age of 41 on December 26th. Um, And I have never in my life seen so much of an outpour from the wrestling industry on on a wrestler who passed away too young. We have so many of them that have happened, and maybe it's because social media is just so prevalent that you can hear these things than, you know, other times before. Because the only other time I can think about a, a wrestler dying young that really made an impact on everybody was, uh, was Eddie Guerrero. And um, social media wasn't as big as it is now when, when Eddie Guerrero unfortunately passed away. Um, but I, when I got back into watching wrestling in 2000, 2010, 2011 is when it was really cemented. Um, there were not many names that were wrestling that I didn't know of previously that I at least heard in passing when I wasn't watching it. I was still, 
um, I still somewhat paid attention. At least I, I was not kind of like so blocked off that I wasn't aware of John Cena or Batista or, you know, um, other guys like CM Punk and Dolph Ziggler who started when I stopped watching wrestling. I was aware of them. Um, the first names that were like new to me, completely new, were that of the Wyatt family made up of Bray Wyatt uh, and his cohorts or his brothers, his family, Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. And the second I looked at Luke Harper, I, uh, this guy is, um, how tall is he? He's like, he's 6'5", and he, he's 275 pounds, and he's like a cat in the middle of the ring. There was nobody his size that moved like that, and I found him completely underrated, and I was confused as to why they weren't doing more with him. He felt good with the Wyatt family, but there was these certain points over the course of, you know, almost 10 years with the Wyatt family that they kind of broke him apart or gave Luke Harper a moment to shine on his own, and they never went further with that, unfortunately. Um, and I've just always been a fan of him. Uh, it, it was nice to see him succeed so well in All Elite Wrestling because he left WWE last year, debuted with All, All Elite Wrestling this year, and was taken seriously. And just look at the work he left behind, especially with his character and uh, all of the work he did behind the scenes with his character. The guy had so much potential, and uh, to see somebody pass so young, uh, it, it makes you just take a step back and... and appreciate everything you have and the people in your life. So if you have people in your life that you really care about, just let them know. Um, you don't have to tell them every day, but let them know once in a while, give them a hug because those are the moments that just kind of keep us grounded and, and keep your circle close. Cause th th your circle, the people in your circle, friends, family, uh, coworkers, the, the, the people that you always go to, the people you trust, the people you love, as long as you keep them close, and hopefully uh, they do as well to you, then you know it's easier when things get bad because you have that group close to you. So um, for all of you fans out there, people who started listening to the podcast this year, however you listen to it, Facebook, YouTube, uh, streaming services like Spotify and Google Podcasts, I appreciate each and every one of you. If you uh, download my podcast and follow it each and every week from the bottom of my heart, thank you because this is this is something I just I want to do all the time. I want to talk SpongeBob with you guys. I want to hang out with you guys and and just build this community of goofy goobers. Um, so thank you, and uh, we're gonna take this momentum right into 2021. So before we uh, go to the future, we gotta look at the past. So let's look at this week in Nickelodeon history. Nick, 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 Nickelodeon. Nick, 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 Nickelodeon. This week in Nickelodeon history, we have a birthday, January 1st, 1969. Our own Doug Lawrence, Mr. Lawrence was born 52 years ago. Uh, not only is he extremely important to the world of SpongeBob SquarePants on the screen by voicing Plankton, behind the scenes, he has been an incredible uh, creative force since the beginning of the show. And not only on SpongeBob, 
but also was a massive creative force behind Rocco's Modern Life as well by also voicing Filbert, but being a writer, a storyboard artist, and director for the show. He's helped out with a few other shows, like he voiced Edward and Dave on Camp Laszlo, uh, was, of course, a voice actor on uh, Wander Over Yonder, Uncle Grandpa, Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. So he's he's been around the block, but... Man, the amount of work he puts on for SpongeBob is is absolutely crazy. Uh, he is constantly voicing Plankton in almost every video game or every other medium that Plankton can be found. But like I said, an absolute massive creative force behind the show. He is a, he is a big anchor there. So uh, happy birthday, Mr. Lawrence. 29 years ago, on December 29th, 1991, Make the Grade had its final episode. Uh, Make the Grade was a uh, game show that aired from October 2nd, 1989, all the way to December 29th, 1991. I have zero recollection of this show. It's one of the very few Nickelodeon game shows that I just... I don't think I, if I've seen it, I definitely don't remember seeing it. It's it's not anywhere in my memory as a child. So I don't know if it even aired that much after 1991. Uh, it, it does seem that it aired a lot on Nick, Nick Gass, which I enjoyed as a channel, but I really only ever watched Nick Gass when Double Dare or Legends of the Hidden Temple were on or Nick Arcade. Uh, if it was a show I didn't remember as a kid, I wasn't watching. Uh, but I, I, I might check it out one of these. These days, I'm sure there's some episodes floating around on YouTube, but uh, yeah, so make the grade ended uh, 17 years ago on January 2nd, 1994. The last episode of Doug aired on Nickelodeon. Now, for those that don't know, Doug is a very rare case in the history of Nickelodeon where he was one of the first Nicktoons, but Disney came in and swept him up right at the zero hour. I don't know what the contracts were like back then because Nickelodeon didn't seem to have a problem getting a hold of Rugrats and Ren and Stimpy and keeping those under the umbrella. But Doug, they they somehow lost. I don't know if it was just a specific contract with Jumbo that uh, if Nickelodeon didn't want to pick up the show, then it, you know Jumbo Pictures would then be able to shop it around. But that's seemingly what happened. I mean, realistically, what happened was uh, not only did Disney want Doug, they pretty much bought up Jumbo Pictures as a whole. And with Jumbo Pictures, ended up creating other shows like uh, PB and J Otter. Uh, I think JoJo's uh, Circus on a uh, on Playhouse Disney, or I think it's Disney Junior now. But um. Yeah, Doug, I absolutely love Doug in, in so many ways. And I know it is the most safe Nicktoon to probably exist. Like, it is the most child-friendly and, and um, inoffensive. But there's still something there. That sounds boring. That sounds like, you know, with all these other shows like Ren and Stimpy and Rocco pretty much trying to push the bar on adult humor. Doug really played it safe. But there is really something special about Doug and the world that was created, and that's why it it, it went on to not only be on Disney for a few more seasons, it had a live show in Disney Parks, and also had a feature film under Disney, which really isn't good, and I don't think it's been totally, completely separate story, but I don't think Doug's first movie has been properly released uh, if I if what I remember is true, the VHS of Doug's first movie is the only is like the full theatrical cut. 
Um, but of course, it's uh, it's not widescreen. So the VHS has the wrong aspect ratio. And if you buy the DVD, which for years you can only get by the, the Disney Movie Club, which isn't a bad deal if you look into it and you can get some of their exclusives. But um, that was released with the TV edit of Doug's first movie. So if you buy that DVD, it's got like it cuts to black when there's supposed to be commercials and comes back. And then the credits are like fast forwarded, you know, as if it was on television. So I how does this happen? How does like a theatrically released movie just not have uh, a DVD or even a VHS or uh, other means like streaming? I think I tried to check it out on Disney Plus and it was still I think it's still the TV edit version, but I might be wrong about that. But yeah, that's crazy. Um, But yeah, back to Doug. Last episode, uh, right in 1994, it hit its 52 episodes mark, which was the benchmark for for all shows. It was kind of a way so that you could have another episode air every single week throughout the year. So you can have one year can air the entire show. Um, And Ren and Stimpy was held to this. Rugrats was held to this. Rocco was held to this. This was an ongoing thing. Rugrats, though, was the first one to then be brought back into production to go beyond 52 episodes. Um, Anything about the history goes into the fact that somehow Rugrats got uh, into this weird airing schedule that it was airing more throughout the day and it was just gaining so many fans that uh, Nickelodeon had no choice but to go back to the well. Uh, But the last episode that aired of the Disney, uh, the... (laughs) not the Disney version, the Nickelodeon version, uh, was an episode called Doug Graduates in which they they graduate from Bluffington School and then Doug's Bad Trip, which is a uh, uh, a summer episode for the show to kind of end on. When it was brought back, Doug and his friends ended up going to BB Bluff Middle School um, and honestly is just not a good revival. I don't know what happened. A lot of the creative force continued on with the show, but for some reason it just... It really didn't click those same, you know, checkmark boxes that you would want in a in a revival of Doug. And, and I don't know. It's just sad to see it kind of I wouldn't say nosedive because there are some quality moments in the Disney show. But if you've never seen the Disney version, uh, do yourself a favor. Get Disney Plus. Check it out. But by all means, the, the Nickelodeon version is far superior for so many ways. Uh, but let's move on. 11 years ago, on December 20th, the final episode of Random Cartoons aired on Nickelodeon. For those that don't remember Random Cartoons, it's actually the second venture between Nickelodeon and Frederator Incorporated uh, showing uh, pilot episodes of cartoons on on the air. Uh, Oh Yeah Cartoons is well known uh, because growing up at the time, there were a few shorts that ended up becoming episodes uh, uh, actual like shows on Nickelodeon, including the Fairly Odd Parents, My Life as a Teenage Robot, and Chalk Zone, all came from shorts that aired on Oh Yeah Cartoons. Random Cartoons aired on Nicktoons Network and aired from 2008 to 2009. It was just one year with 13 episodes, but 39 segments. So 39 different cartoons from different creators aired on this. Now, it is notable, uh, just like Oh Yeah Cartoons spawned. A few shows on Nickelodeon. This one only spawned one on Nickelodeon, but two other big massive shows actually debuted here, including uh, 
the two shows by created by Pendleton Ward, The Bravest Warriors and Adventure Time. That is right, everybody. At one point, Adventure Time was almost in the hands of Nickelodeon, and they passed on that. Now, it's not the first massive show that Nickelodeon passed on. They also passed on Phineas and Ferb, which then, when landing on Disney, became a massive hit. And just like with Adventure Time, Nickelodeon didn't pick it up as a show, and it ended up being picked up by Cartoon Network as a full series on April 5th, 2010, and of course became one of their biggest shows of the time. It kind of brought a new renaissance era into Cartoon Network there. Adventure Time was the face of that. Um, So it's crazy to think that at one point in in time, Finn and Jake could have been Nicktoons if if Nickelodeon just went forward with it. Uh, I don't know if it would have had the same longevity as it did on Cartoon Network, but uh, to to think what the future could have been. Uh, The Bravest Warriors also aired on this, but of course... I don't think that was picked up by any massive network. I think that was done uh, in in accordance with Verve, although they may have only been behind like a season or two, but uh, four seasons of The Bravest Warriors have been made. The only show that Nickelodeon picked up out of these uh, this batch of pilots was a pilot called Fanboy, which would eventually become the show Fanboy and Chum Chum. Of course, doesn't have a lot of fans out there, but let me tell you, uh, after seeing a few episodes of Fanboy Chum Chum and uh, watching a few retrospectives on YouTube, I've learned to appreciate the show and think it's a, it's a bit of an unfound gem that I think will hopefully find a fan base one day, but I, I think it's a bit underrated. But yeah, Random Cartoons... Ending 11 years ago. Uh, I received a few emails in the snail mail about uh, missing a a big moment in a previous episode. So just to give it its its credit, uh, six years ago on December 19th, 2014, The Legend of Korra aired its final episode. Uh, not in the traditional sense, because it, if there was a show that ever got the shaft... Uh, uh, a massive show just being treated like this. The Legend of Korra. I have never seen a show so popular but so mishandled by uh, by a network. Almost as if they just didn't care about this show. Um, the Legend of Korra, for those that don't know, is a sequel series to Avatar The Last Airbender. Avatar, one of the greatest Nicktoons of all time. One of the greatest pieces of television animation of all time, a massive success was then succeeded by The Legend of Korra, following Korra, uh, the next Avatar in line. The show ran for four seasons, 52 episodes, and I think midway through the third season was kind of moved from Nickelodeon to Nick.com for streaming. Uh, and I believe the whole fourth season was then pretty much online only, but in such a, a weird weird way it was clearly still getting viewers on the air of course as time went on uh viewers leave but that's that's kind of the same with with every show um i i guess some might get more as they go on maybe with avatar by season three there were more people watching it than season one but Cora was still getting a, a fairly big following and to just have it pulled like that and then put on your website just came off really weird, and I, I kind of feel bad for all the fans of that show having to go through that. It should have just aired on Nickelodeon. That's their main network. I, I don't understand how what could have replaced it for a half hour that was worth more than than having a show like this air on your network. Um, some speculate it has to do with the final episode and what it kind of entails. I'm not going to spoil that here if you've never seen the show, but... Um, 
I I have no answers for that. Just just kind of sad. Uh, I, and as a, I kind of stopped watching after season two, and there was just other things going on. But I have since gone back and rewatched the whole show, and uh, just it holds up as well as it did the first time it aired. And all of the new stuff, some of it was kind of a miss for me, but a lot of it were were hitting it out of the park. So. Uh, super sad to, to see it go out like that, but it lives on. There are still Cora fans, and now that I believe it airs on Netflix, it's it's gained a, a whole new following. So I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad in the end it's still working out for uh, the Legend of Cora. Uh, seven years ago, on January first, two thousand fourteen, Every Which Way premiered on Nickelodeon. Uh, four seasons of this show, eighty-five episodes, clearly a massive hit. I have not seen a single episode of the show, but it seems to have its fans out there. So I, I hope you uh, hope you enjoyed that show. And three years ago, on December 29th, two thousand seventeen, Harvey Beaks aired its final episode uh, on Nicktoons. Uh, this was a show I was excited to see at first because it was created by. Uh, my one of my favorite creators of the time, C.H. Greenblatt, I absolutely adored Chowder and thought that it was kind of given a raw deal with Cartoon Network. It kind of missed the boat. Chowder and Flapjack kind of missed the boat that it led to Adventure Time because Adventure Time just like once that hit. It, it had taken over and it kind of a lot of people give it credit for the renaissance but there were some real bangers right before adventure time and regular show that i don't think get enough credit in chowder and flapjack uh but i i completely missed harvey beaks and i i have heard good things about it i've heard a few negative things about it but this is another show that got hit with the dreaded uh nicktoons move it just seems like if a if a nickelodeon show doesn't hit within its first season it gets kind of just moved over to nicktoons where it just dies a very slow death it, you know it it finishes out it finishes out its airing of its episodes but um, when you get moved over to that network, I mean, uh, yes, there should be shows on Nicktoons network that are kind of exclusive to get people to watch the channel, but uh, it's completely unfair that the the main Nickelodeon channel just gets overrun with reruns of SpongeBob, and these other shows don't, I feel like, don't get a chance to naturally grow like SpongeBob did, like every other popular show did. It's kind of like if you if you don't start out with a bang you're gonna die out a whimper on nicktoons but um i i do you know once i am a part of a streaming service that has rv beaks available uh, i will check it out and and who knows maybe we'll talk about it in the future of this show but that is uh everything that happened in december if i missed anything by all means uh email me let me know snail mail at euphonics.com because i anything that you think i should talk about i will certainly address in the next episode all right before we get on to this week's spongebob episode bossy boots we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back magic conj will i ever get to meet tom kenny Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in spongepod 
inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy. 2,000 years later. All right, here we have the episode Bossy Boots. It is the second part of the 22nd episode of SpongeBob SquarePants and first aired on October 26th, 2000. Uh, This is uh, still an absolutely wonderful episode of season two, but in my opinion, it's the first episode that really didn't keep this upwards trend of quality. We had these first three absolute bangers of season two, and this one is still really good, but I feel like it was the first slight dip in quality in writing. Um, uh, that by no means do not take that as a big negative on this episode. This episode I still absolutely adore and love. Uh, but just you know, after rewatching the last three and knowing some of the jokes I've kept from this episode, it, it definitely is on the lesser end of of what inside jokes I've used. Um, some of the some of the uh, slapstick in this episode. Uh, Still quality. I don't want to sound negative, but we, we got to be real here. Not every episode is going to be better than the last. Uh, but let's just get right to the episode. And if you are following along, you can press play now. We are going to start right at the beginning. Uh, Bossy Boots is one of the first episodes to really put a center light on Pearl. Pearl, uh, I enjoy as a character, and she was one of the first characters created for the show. Um, if you go look at the original sketches from Steven Hillenburg, uh, he had the idea of Pearl from the beginning. Um, and, and she has really grown as a character over years, although they didn't use her as much as I think I would have liked in these in these first few seasons because she was kind of a one-note character for a while. She, you know, was just... Hey, she's you know, Mr. Krabs' daughter, of course, but she's also, she's just the high schooler, and she follows these high school tropes. I loved her in The Chaperone by the end, but I, I feel like the way she ended at the end of The Chaperone was kind of pulled back a little bit, like that maturity that she had by the end with SpongeBob and with her situation and, and appreciating the night she had. Um I feel like that was toned back a little bit so that we could get this episode where uh, she just kind of runs wild with the restaurant and doesn't have that maturity level that I think we want to see her have. But even Mr. Krabs wants to see her kind of rise to the situation. Um, And now, of course, he doesn't like all of the changes that she makes in the restaurant, um, but he seems to go along with 100% of everything, even at the expense of his money, which at this point in SpongeBob history feels out of character, uh, because what is, you know, for all the money he's spending to redecorate the, the crusty crab as the cuddly crab, they're selling like salads, which is pretty much lettuce and tomato, which is a great profit margin if depending on how much the salads are. Like if somebody's paying five dollars for a salad and it ends up being one slice, one tomato slice and one piece of lettuce, you're probably making five hundred percent or or so much money at that point. Um, 
but I don't think the the amount of money he spent he's making back with these teenagers who who don't really have a lot of money to begin with. If you're running a restaurant, you really want to go after people who are going to spend a lot of money there or come in frequently, which could happen with te- with teenagers. But I don't think they're going to have as much money as Mr. Krabs is going to need. Uh, but kudos to Mr. Krabs in this episode. Look at him dressing in the uniform like really being a good, supportive father. And I know what I said earlier about uh, this being kind of out of character for Mr. Krabs on the amount of money he's spending. Um, but I think for for that to happen, he does have to show character growth as a father. And Mr. Krabs has always been a really supportive father of Pearl. It's always been nice to see. He is a greedy crab, and he can even be greedy towards his daughter, especially with her birthdays and whatnot. Um, but he does care about her and wants to see her grow. And that's why he just kind of, uh, hands her the keys to the crusty crab and lets her just kind of be in charge and run with it. Um, I, I like some of her changes. I mean, the, the kind of the beanbag chairs and whatnot are great. Uh, but they're renaming the crusty crab here. Uh, I, <laughs> I absolutely, the one thing now looking at it, the one thing I really love about this episode, I love their uniforms. Uh, one of my favorite paintings I've made is of, of Squidward. Somebody wanted a Squidward painting, and I did. I wanted an up-close shot of Squidward, but I also wanted this grumpy look on him, so I ended up painting him in the Cuddly Crab uniform, and uh, I forgot who I gifted that to, but it's one of my favorite paintings I've ever done. I think my brother might have had that one. I don't know. I don't know. I, I've made so many and I've given them out so so frequently that it's kind of hard to remember. I have pictures of everything I've made, but uh, I'll put that up on Instagram. If you follow us on SpongeBob Podcast, you'll see the uh, the Cuddly Crab Squidward painting I did. But yeah, they, they were able to repaint. I, I like how Squidward is shocked here, but he had to have been around for them to repaint the entire Krusty Crab, the rainbow colors. <laughs> hey, lady. <laughs> All right. I, I completely forgot about that joke. I'm sticking by my idea that this this is not as good as the last three episodes, but this is still a, a pretty fairly funny episode. And here we have the new cuddly crab. I I don't think this decor would attract a lot of teenagers. Um, I think it's cutesy and it's certainly good, but I, I would have liked to see Pearl take a more... I think she's in high school, uh, a more high school-esque approach to the decorations, like maybe more of a coffee shop type of place. Um, you, cause you can then still get, you know, the idea that SpongeBob is not going to be cooking burgers. It's a coffee place. Um, he's basically going to be brewing cups of coffee for these teenagers. I think that could have been a, a decent spin on it, but, uh, I can't get over these, these uniforms. Uh, if you were working at a job, and they changed to these uniforms. As a SpongeBob fan, would you be okay wearing them? Uh, because let me tell you, it's kind of, <laughs> kind of the white, the not the white, the the pink like uh, y- uniform kind of reminds me of uh, Filthy Frank uh, and his his little pink guy uniform. But I, uh, my job specifically, I would be definitely excited to wear a one piece suit with the two Ks on top. Here's your two salads. Uh, that's pretty much, I mean, come on. 
that 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 is a salad. SpongeBob was, you know, yeah, he didn't give him a lot of a portion there, but let's be real, a salad is a salad. You can't really complain about this. Um, this is the first time that the Krusty Krab is ever redecorated, and it's the first time that the grill is ever taken out, which is really weird for Pearl to have done. Um, it's not like she decorated the kitchen; like the kitchen is the the same thing. Uh, you could have just left the grill there and not, you know, have just taken it out. It seemed like a waste of uh, of her energy to to take that out. Uh, out of all the list of names that they talked about for the rename the Krusty Krab, with the the Cutie Crab, Kooky, Chaotic, Kissy, King, Candy, Cool, Cowboy, Curly, Creepy, Killer, Cuddly. Which one do you personally think is better than the Krusty Krab? If you had to pick jellyfish to your face, you had to choose a rebranding. Would you stick with Cuddly or do you think you'd go with another one? Um, I think a uh, the King Crab would have been a would have been a decent rename of the place. Although with a name like the King Crab, you would probably assume they're serving crab, which has been a uh, a theory of what the Krabby Patty is that it's that it's somehow crab meat. Um, I think I've said it on the show before. I always liked binging with Babish's idea of what the secret formula is, and that it's just a it's just MSG added to whatever meat they make the burgers with, because MSG is a is a very addictive substance, which would then you know give reason to why the Krabby Patty becomes so addic- uh, addictive. But, you know, here we have, uh, see, Mr. Krabs even, I know that Spongebob eventually gets him to push to to kind of admit that he's really unhappy with the uh, with the changes made in the Krusty Krab. He redecorated his whole office to this decor. Mind you, they didn't redo the kitchen, which can clearly be seen from the middle of the restaurant. You can look through that little, you know, the little hole there where Spongebob hands the burgers off to Squidward and see the kitchen. Why would... Mr. Krabs' office need to be rearranged. And personally, if I owned a restaurant and I was going to let the uh, somebody else redecorate the whole place, uh, if I'm still working there and I'm still running the place, I'm going to keep my office the way I like my office. Uh, I wouldn't redecorate it for the sake of matching whatever the decor of the restaurant is. So uh, once again, like just kudos to Mr. Krabs in the father department, but certainly in the money department, there's no way that he could have uh, uh, bounced back. Now, eventually he does with what he does with all that, uh, all those decorations, which super appropriate for SpongeBob. (laughs) But uh, here we have this, this really nice ending where um, SpongeBob is forced to fire Pearl from her position at the Krusty Krab. And, uh, having to then go and do that, Pearl admits that she just doesn't even want to be in the job. It's a win-win situation because Pearl gets a way out and SpongeBob can then appear to, you know, be able to fire her right in front of Mr. Krabs or at least through a doorway. Uh, so it, it's a really nice situation here. I, I think it's adorable that Pearl only came in and only put all these changes through and, and only went through all of this because... You know, she wanted to make her dad happy. She wanted to, you know, she wanted to do something. But she doesn't really want to be a part of this. She wants to go and hang out. It's it's kind of cool. I think I would have rather liked seeing Pearl uh, work at the Krusty Krab um, on the same level as SpongeBob and Squidward. Hey, it's the summertime. I'm going to give my daughter a job. 
you know, you train her to work the grill, Squidward, you train her to work the front. And, and that's where, you know, the story unfolds is Pearl trying to work at the Krusty Krab. I think the whole redecoration and rebranding thing, as I said earlier, it, it works for, for what it is, but I think they could have found um, uh, other stories to tell with Pearl working at the Krusty Krab other than just having keys to the kingdom. Now, the ironic thing is now that Pearl isn't working, where is she getting the money for the mall? Uh, maybe she has a, uh, an allowance with Mr. Krabs, but I can't imagine like a dollar a week being being that much. Maybe she saves it. She gets $52 a year. That's her allowance. But I also feel like that's a lot for Mr. Krabs. Maybe he gives her like a penny or a quarter every week. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, so it's like all a one year salary that SpongeBob gives him for for all of the decorations of the cuddly crab. And he just coats the inside of his house with all that stuff. I feel like he would share it with with Patrick. Uh, and maybe he does, because there is a lot missing that's not in his house. Yeah. One year's salary. That's insane. I now. I don't know how much SpongeBob makes at the Krusty Krab. We've seen even like his raises being like a nickel or a dime. How much is he making a year for all of that stuff? Uh, I, I don't know. How, I guess you'd have to look at what, a, what an average fry cook makes a year. Uh, but we're, we're thinking of thousands of dollars. I, I can't. I can't imagine Mr. Krabs should have just gone to five below for all the decorations because they'd have a lot of cutesy decorations that match what what Pearl does and not have to spend an arm and a leg for cuddly crab uh, beanbag chairs for the tables, even though I like those. But that was uh, that was bossy boots. Uh, still a good episode, still memorable, still uh, a lovable plot. I, like I said, certainly seemingly out of character for Mr. Krabs, but. If this episode does anything, it just establishes how much, how good of a father Mr. Krabs can be towards Pearl. Um, I, I think it's an absolutely wonderful thing, and and I'm I'm happy to see that. So uh, I love Bossy Boots. It's a good episode. If I had to rate it, though, I think it would fall on the positive end of season two. We still have to. I I keep saying this like every episode. We we're going to be doing a live stream at some point in January, uh, ranking season one episodes. Uh, so so follow us on Twitch, Facebook. Keep keep an eye out for that. We'll be live, and I'll make sure to make announcements on all appropriate forms of social media when that is happening. But before we go and end this episode, we have to first look in the mailbag, the snail mailbag. Mail time. All right, welcome to the Snail Mail Bag. You can also be a part of the Snail Mail Bag if you send me some snail mail. Snail mail at euphonics.com, U-F-O-N-Y-X.com. Send me your questions, your comments, your concerns, cute anecdotes. If you want to show off a SpongeBob collectible you purchased, I love interacting with you guys. So uh, send me your questions, your inquiries, and it helps out the show a great deal. Uh, I got one question this week from somebody who wished to remain anonymous, but they did want to give a shout out to the Goofy group, uh, the Goofy Goober Facebook group, uh, which I am also a part of. Uh, so if you don't know, there is an official SpongeBob fan group on on Facebook. Uh, just search Goofy Goobers. It should be one of the first thing that pops up. Uh, but this fan uh, member of the Ready Crew goes on to ask, hey, Captain Eric. 
what were your initial thoughts at hearing Camp Coral was going to be a spinoff of SpongeBob? I know you've mentioned that you're not going to talk really about the show until you see it, but what were your initial thoughts at the announcement? Um, I've kind of, I, I, I was indifferent to be completely honest. Uh, I don't want to sugarcoat it. There, it was weird to finally hear that a SpongeBob spinoff was going to be happening because of how long it was on the on the air, um, and I didn't. There was, of course, a lot of news going around of Steven Hillenburg uh, having this dislike of SpongeBob spinoffs, and you know how it was announced right after his passing. Uh at first glance, when you first hear that as a fan, you're disgusted. But when you look into it a little bit more, um, it, it's Steven Hillenburg made a joke years earlier that uh, that they were eventually going to make SpongeBob babies. And he would he even said, like, the second that happens, I'm gone. Um, I, I'm indifferent to it uh, from some people who worked with Steven. They said, you know, he hated the idea of spinoffs. He didn't think it, uh, SpongeBob needed any sort of spinoffs. But you also had people who came out and said he he was well aware that the show was going to be made. Um, and, of course, he did help out with the third SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run, which heavily uh, has a lot of scenes that take place at Camp Coral. Uh, so he had to have known that something was going to be happening. Um I, does that mean he was happy about it? Absolutely not. I don't think he would have liked that. But also, I, I'd like for everybody who is very angry about the show to take a step back. They've been they've been not listening to Steven Hillenburg for years. Steven wanted the show to end after the first movie, and of course, when they continued the show at season four, he stepped away from the show. Um, so it's not like this is a new thing where. They are taking SpongeBob in a direction that the original creator didn't like. But, you know, it would be one thing if he never stepped foot in Nickelodeon again to work on SpongeBob, but he did. He he did come back to work not only on the second movie, but came to assist with the show as well. Um, and if it took him a few years to then want to go back and assist in some way, I, I think the idea of SpongeBob continuing, continuing, he may have had a change of heart on. And I feel like depending on the quality of the show, maybe he would change his opinion on spinoffs too. Now I'm not pro camp coral. I find it like the one thing that really upsets me is the difference in, in like the naming, like camp coral in the SpongeBob movie is named different. And the characters are designed differently, even though they're, based off of that scene uh, that bothers me a great deal and of course the animation that we just saw in the promo was was certainly not a good starting point although we've been told by people who work on the show that that was not finished animation that was that was shown um i'm still going to withhold like full complete judgment until i see it but yeah when i first heard that announcement it wasn't like i was jumping for joy uh, i thought there was already so much spongebob and and reruns on tv that it's just kind of overkill that's why when I then heard that it was going to be a Paramount Plus exclusive, I was kind of giving that a thumbs up because I thought that would be the most appropriate place. Like, take it off of the airways. Don't air Camp Coral on Nickelodeon. Just keep it as a Paramount Plus exclusive because then it feels at least a little... 
and it doesn't it maybe it just for me comes off a little bit less negative if it was for specifically for the streaming service but since it is then airing on Nickelodeon I, I think that's that's more of a mistake than anything else um, but but we'll see but yeah first first thoughts on the show indifferent not really happy but not really like as angry as a lot of people uh, but I'll, I'll get more into that once the show airs and, and I'll, I'll go through an entire uh, history of the show and, and how it came to be but that is this week for the square cast. Thank you for all of the fans that have jumped aboard through 2020. We're going to take this ship and we're going to build on top of it. We're going to build this, this uh, absolutely wonderful vessel moving forward through 2021 into 2022. But before we even get that far, we have a whole other year to get through. So thank you for all the fans. Thank you for listening to this show. Please let other people know that it is, it, it exists. Follow us on all kinds of social media. Follow us on Twitch, Facebook, YouTube. And if there's any way you can help the show that you see fit, by all means, I am the first one that will thank you for it. So cheers to 2020, good riddance 2020, and on to 2021. Have a good New Year's, everybody, and I'll see you next year. I'm ready! Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy.